So um, really the reason we are here um, filming this today is because a couple weeks ago, I texted both of you guys um, because you are both pastors I respect, look up to, uh, who have many more years of age and wisdom than I do, um, to find out uh, what's, what's really um, been kind of going on behind the scenes for church leaders in a time like this. And so we're yeah. going to dive into together talking about the decisions that you guys have made for your church and why, more importantly, we make those decisions. Um, after we met together last time, I had, uh, we all get to talk to a lot of pastors, a lot of Christians all the time. I had some friends, pastors ask me like, well, what'd you guys talk about? What'd you guys talk about? I said, well, we're going to just sit and talk and film together. So let's start with introductions. I'll go yeah. first. Uh, my name is Jason Graves. I'm the pastor at Daybreak Church. I've been uh, here in North County since 2001. So going on 20 years pastoring here, which is amazing because I'm only 32 years old. So That's awesome. amazing. Yes. Wow. I started young. <laughs> Pastor Chris. Chris Brown at the North Coast Church. No other oh. adjectives needed at the end of that. Just yeah. North Coast Church. Uh, been here in the area and at North Coast for 17 years. Been pastoring. This is my 32nd year okay. um, because I started when I was six as a child evangelist. So, um, <laughs> but 32nd year in ministry, 17 years here in North County at North okay. Coast. Love Real it. world. I'm 47. You're a little older. You're over 50, aren't you? I'm 51. That's great. Great. It's always the youngest guy at the table that I wants know. to point yeah, out yeah, age, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Great. Right. And Mark Foreman, uh, North Coast Calvary Chapel. Oh, boy. With, other uh, North Coast. With, uh, mm. We're going to be okay, full of, full of adjectives. Uh, and I've been here 30 years. Okay. Pastoring for how long? Uh, almost 50. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So I, I, I didn't do the math, but we've collectively been pastoring specifically here in North County for a long time. And, mm-hmm. and part of the reason I wanted us to talk is we all have other pastors and leaders of, of maybe churches of similar size that you can talk to or people who have certain political, theological things, but there's something specific about being here in North County, I think. You know, during this pandemic, every geographical area, I think, comes with some at least nuance, if not laws and, you know, real-world statistics, things like that. And so um, the the reason we're filming today is because we just want to talk a little bit Mm -hmm. about um, why we are sitting right now in an empty church building or empty worship center as is yours and yours. <clears throat> we have, haven't had indoor services in, what are we at, nine, ten months, yeah. something yeah. like that? Yeah. Coming on. up on a year. Yeah. Crazy to think about that. <clears throat> yeah. And I bet you get, like I do on a pretty regular basis, other pastors like, what are you guys doing? What are you thinking about? How are you doing outdoors? What's, how's it going? So um, I wanted to just ask you guys as, uh, again, two people that I respect because of the longevity, but also because of how I know you and your lives. Uh, and the wisdom that you've had, Chris, you guys have been putting out um, videos kind of explaining the thinking. So I'm sure a lot of people from your church know at least what you can cram into eight or nine minutes of the complexity of the, the decision making. But I've been really impressed with how much research and how much uh, input you guys have been getting from just not pastors and medical professionals and uh, and the like. And then similarly, we, we have different congregations. We exist in the same place, but we all, I think, in some ways have a lot of overlap in how we're navigating this. And here's kind of the crux of what I want to start with. And that is all of us care deeply about what not only the people in our church think about 
the decisions of our church leadership, but what people who don't mm. go to church mm. think about us. Mm. And um, Andy Stanley just <clears throat> put out a new book and, it, you know, asking these five questions to make better decisions. And one of the, I, don't, I won't get it right exactly, but one of the things that he says is, when this season is just a story, what story do you want to tell or what do you want to be told of you? And I noticed that when we talked without cameras on mm. a couple of weeks ago, we all found a, kind of a sense of common ground in, like, what do we want mm. the people who don't yet go to church? We think about what they think about us. Yeah. Right. So, Pastor Mark, I'll start mm. off with you. Yeah, um, yeah. I'd love to respond to that because I think it's not only germane to how we're responding to this pandemic, but it's really the definition of the church itself. Why is the church on planet Earth? And, uh, you know, a lot of pastors have the idea that it's, it's, a, it's a, uh, a medical center uh, for, mm-hmm. for people's souls that when they get sick. It's, it's, it's an educational center. It's a counseling center. Uh, it's, it's a place to worship God. But the question I ask is, what are we doing here that we won't be doing in heaven? Mm-hmm. And, and the church is going to be worshiping in heaven. Um, but the thing that Jesus defined us as is salt and light. And that, that's an outward push uh, out into the community. So if you can picture an arrow that's coming into the church and going up to heaven, that's the way most of the population thinks about the purpose of the church. It's to get people uh, in, into the church and up into heaven. And I think that the gospel actually bends that arrow from heaven into the church, out into the community. So if we are salt and light in the community, it doesn't change. Our definition doesn't change as we now go into this pandemic. doesn't change. That's who we are. We are to influence our culture and society with the love and the truth of Jesus Christ. So as we go into this pandemic, we, um, we are going into it representing Christ. Mm-hmm. How, how do we do this? How do we love people? How do we uh, help people who have lost their jobs? How do we help people who have, have contra- contracted COVID? Uh, how do we help families who are challenged because their kids can't go to school? And what do we have in common with bowling alleys, restaurants, rock and roll groups, yeah. uh, where we are all in the same boat together? Mm-hmm. And so it's an opportunity it's a huge capital O opportunity to, to show our community and particularly our neighbors that this is how Christians mm-hmm. love you in the midst of a big pandemic. Yeah. You say the word opportunity, and I'm going to be, I'll, I'll be the first to get really vulnerable. When we first hit this, opportunity was the word that was coming out of my mouth, and it was the honest, like, this is, I know God does, you know. Yeah. A few months in, I'm like, I don't like this opportunity anymore. No. I'm Next. over this opportunity. Next, we're tapping out. Yeah, and then at about that time, I would say, in my context, then the pressure, you talked about um, outward pressure from the world, the inward pressure on pastors, church leaders, people who are making the decisions about what the church, how they're going to respond, it started heating up. Yeah. Yep. And um, I've watched, uh, you know, thankfully because of social media, I'm able to see both of you, not only you personally, but your churches. And I've watched, Chris, you attempt to explain to your congregation. And it's so hard, right, in a short amount of time. Can you unpack a little bit of the thinking of of 
for those that, let's say there's a pastor watching right now or a Christian, the Christian's like, why aren't we meeting inside? Why are we, you know, bowing to the governor and da, 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 you know, or a pastor who's got people in his congregation who are divided, some saying do this, some saying do this. How have you guys navigated that as leaders at really such a large influential church that other people are looking to? Yeah, I don't know if we've done it incredibly well. I will look back and we keep challenging our team. I think we've done this the best we know how. When, when you go through seminary, you go through your classes, no one ever trained you how to right. lead through a pandemic. <laughs> and all your classes on pastoring, no one showed you. And here's how to lead when you can't open a church. No COVID so one-on-one. We didn't have this. Yep. You know, after this season, there's going to be plenty of books, plenty of mm-hmm. theology, plenty of philosophy, and plenty of reflection on maybe what we could have chose differently. What I love about the two of you, same thing is, I know you, I know your church, we're in the same community, and when we talk, we're on the same page. But that also then throws up a little flag in the back of my head, and that goes, man, before we go down this road, don't do what I get so frustrated with the pastors. Because what Mark so beautifully stated was, this is the calling of the church. Sometimes we got the church backward. He knows the calling of his church. This is why we're doing it that way. Mm-hmm. I have room in my head and even in my theology for some pastors to go, well, we have a different calling. Mm-hmm. And I go, oh, okay. So for those, especially pastors, church leaders that are listening, you're going to hear from three very strong, confident leaders on why this is right. And I just want to add for us. Yep. That doesn't mean this is the spiritual right. Because I have plenty of I love grace. how you just looked into the camera when you did it. That you. was so professional. Yeah. <laughs> Can you tell? I've been used to teaching just to a camera now for 10 months. Let me tell you. Um, because when I hear other churches that are open and open indoors and yep. singing arm to arm, and I'm yep. like, great. But what irks me is hearing from their leadership go, and if your pastor isn't doing this, shame on him yeah. or her. They shouldn't be a shepherd. And I'm like, oh. Time out. Because to what Mark was saying, I've always felt my calling and North Coast, we are missional. Mm -hmm. You know, and and that's different than how some pastors may see. I know pastors go, I'm just called for the church. And I'm called to reach the church, not the lost. I'm called to mobilize and disciple the church. And Mm -hmm. I go, okay, then open your doors, get everybody in, because it doesn't care what your community thinks. Mm -hmm. In my heart, I'm a Mm -hmm. missional pastor where I go, look, the people that are upset at us are Christians. I can live with Christians being upset at us and how we handle this three years and five years from now. I don't want to live with a community three years and five years from now that when all hell breaks loose in their home, they go, and I'm not going to that church because here's what they did during yeah. the worst outbreak. Yeah. And that's, that's been my heart on, man, the problem with most pastors is I don't hear from the community saying thank you. Mm-hmm. I hear from the church going, why aren't you? Yeah, right. And it has been hard to take a stand on convictions and go, I'm a missionary to this culture. Yeah. And so we're not going to base our opening solely on what is best for our neighbors. But that is going to be weighted more than most other things on how do we do this to be that light, to be that salt in this world. Yeah. You know, and this isn't a joke, but you've been pastoring longer than either by about double. Have you ever seen a time where something has brought so much division. Now, we know, I mean, in my lifetime, nationally, politics, everything. But up until this specific season, I've never been more tempted to take a stand, to divide, but also just to feel divided against. Right. There's like a spiritual component to this mm. pandemic, yeah. like where it's, I would say it's been in our context, North County, really easy, I would say, for all of us pastors to get along. When I moved here 20 years ago, 
Pastor Mark, you were the first person to, you and your wife took my wife and me out to lunch. We were just getting ready to plant a church. Didn't hear anything from you. You didn't live here yet. But, I, I, uh, <laughs> I actually met him today. Yeah. <laughs> That's not true. That's not true. <laughs> That's not true at all. But it's been easy for all of us to get along with very diverse you know, aspects of our, our calling and our churches and, and, right, and who right. we reach. Have you ever seen a time where it's been so easy to be divided as Christians? Not, not to mention the world. Yeah, yeah never. And uh, I think part of it is the fact that, you know, we all have this homeostasis individually and as a church, as a family. And that's uh, an equilibrium, a sense of balance, a sense of this is normal. Mm-hmm. And uh, when that gets disturbed... Uh, like if you, you move the cheese in a maze where the mice are looking for the cheese, uh, the, the mice go nuts. Who, who moved, moved the, my, cheese? Who moved my yeah. cheese? Someone should write a book on that. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but here's the question the mice never answer is, or ask is why. And we as humans are the, the one species that ask why. And out of that comes conspiracies. Out of that comes... Uh, <laughs> Hatred, prejudging, prejudging, because yeah. we're deciding that the governor's doing this because the the federal government's doing this because China did this because, and out of that comes all these conspiracies. Now here's the the big catch: what we're trying to do is give meaning to something that we don't understand. Yep. But but here's the deal: that's actually what we do. That's called faith. Uh, we believe in the greatest conspiracy of all time. <laughs> Think about it. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I got this idea. God comes down. <laughs> he becomes a person. Born to a virgin. Yeah, born to a virgin. <laughs> yeah. Dies on a cross, yep. up from the dead, and he's coming again, and he's yeah. left us behind enemy lines to get everything ready. You know, and that's yeah. the great gospel. But conspiracies replace that with a meaning, a philosophy. And as those uh, begin to converge in, in our church members' minds, and uh, it seems like this conspiracy should be a part of my theology mm-hmm. to give me meaning, then I get upset with the pastor but he, yep. because he's not giving me the meaning that solves my disrupted homeostasis. Yeah. Um, oh, go ahead. I don't... I don't know what homeostasis means, but the rest of that, for me, I got to go to a picture and go, I mean, I love what Mark is saying because we've got right now, like at no other time, 2020 was this giant pot of disruption where we did put in politics, we did put in a race card, we did put in a pandemic, then we did mix in on all of those. What is truth? And, and we lost a true north. You know, it was so hard to find what is truth. Do mask work? Do mask don't work? Who, what was the riot? What wasn't the riot? What was this? What wasn't? And it's like, well, who did you listen to to find truth? And then you sealed that pot and you put pressure, you put fire under it, and you took away Americans' freedoms. And that's the one thing. You can't touch an American's freedom. It's who we are. It's a part of our country. Yeah. The rest of the world gets your government takes away freedoms and you don't have it. In America, it, that is taboo. And then you put a lid on that for two months, three months, 
four months, six months, they take away your golf, they took away my fishing, they take away movies, they take away, yeah. and all the little coping mechanisms I used to have, you take away church, the fellowship, the worship, the one another's, and it builds and builds. And the one thing I know about pressure cooking, my mom used to can stuff, and it had some little dealy on top, I'm sure you know the big word for it, but every once in a while, it let off the steam. The homeostasis on top would be germane to this conversation. <laughs> um, all I would know is as a little kid, I'd go and I'd flick it. And you have to flick it fast because steam would come out of it. But oh, you'd yeah. flick the little yeah, tap, yeah. Shh, and it would steam and then recenter it and keep it. Mm. And that's, I mean, especially if you're a Christian leader out there watching this, that has been your position now for the last nine months. Yeah. You get up and just try to make a statement on why your church is or isn't doing anything. And you've now flicked. You've created a valve for your church mm. to respond to when they haven't had avenues of response. Yep. And no, and, and no matter how gently you do it, you're getting burned by people on how can the church not and why aren't you and we're spiritual and why are you led by fear, not faith? And, why, and I'm like, yeah. I just tried to relieve some pressure. I'm so... Um, <laughs> yes. Oops. And, and it's where we find ourselves like no other time that I've ever seen in our life. Yeah. One of the things we talked about a couple of weeks ago out on the patio mm. at North Coast um, Calvary. The other North Coast. <laughs> yeah. Um, closest to the ocean. The only one on the coast. Better campus. <laughs> I get it. Technically, it's more coast than you. Uh, We're a little more north. We more ta- north. We'll take the north. The <laughs> we talked about the fact that, like, when this all hit, all of us did some version of a faith over fear series. And for some pastors and churches, the kind of underlying truth, which I don't know if I'm curious, Mark, mostly for you to answer first is as Christians, are we protected from the plagues, the pestilence, the, the pandemics? Because a lot of pastors went to the Old Testament and said, well, the Israelites didn't have to suffer, you know? <laughs> and the reason I want to ask you, you, Mark, is because I know how well-traveled you are in the world <clears throat> and you've seen real Christians <clears throat> and real persecution and I wonder if you could just talk about that. Because a lot of people would say, well, pastors, if you weren't fearful of the government or fearful, if you just trusted, you know, God's divine protection, you would open up the indoor church services again. Yeah, yeah. There was a great book that came out of the 70s called Faith or Presumption. And it was a charismatic leader from a Tulsa, Oklahoma, trying to solve this dilemma. And I think um, a lot of things that pose as faith are actually presumptuous. Uh, There is a God and it is not me. So uh, there's things that I just don't know. I don't know what that is. Um, For example, when Paul was on uh, the the boat over the the Mediterranean before his shipwreck, uh, he he advised the commander, the captain, don't sail. This is going to be bad. And this, (laughs) this, 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 this. And, 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 if you read the, the account, Paul is becoming not only a pastor to Christians, but he's becoming the pastor of the ship. Yeah. And, and his goal, and his stated goal, if you follow my directions, all of you will be saved. And so he was trying to guide Christians and non-Christians to make the right decisions. And he could have said, you know, uh, something presumptuous that I know. And, and that's where the conspiracy theories come out. I know when you really don't know, we used to stone people yeah. who would do that. Now we give everybody a False hall prophets, pass. You mean, yeah. Yeah, 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 we give them a hall pass. Everybody gets if to you say, say you know, it better come to, come to pass. 
Right. Now we say what we think, and then we say, oh, well, I think what God was really saying was that, and it changes week after week yeah. after week. So we, you and I, we're all trying to be straightforward. We're trying to say what we know God is, is showing to us and, what, and being clear what we don't know. Yeah. So this is a pandemic. I, I think I know where the bug came from, but I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I, I think this has been managed well here, but not well there. But I am not a, a medical mm-hmm. person. I, th- I think that uh, this and that. Uh, but what I don't like is the friendly fire. Yeah. Um, I have not received any persecution in this pandemic from anyone but Christians. Yep. Which is something to think, of. and this that not unusual. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my time in Iraq that doesn't mean I was there in the war, but I was there when ISIS was there doing our film and going to the front lines. The the Christians were divided oh. against each other, but they were all united, you know, against ISIS as were uh, the other armies, etc. Uh, here we have no ISIS. We, you know, we can't just yell at a bug, yeah. COVID-19. Yeah. So uh, we're yelling at this person, this person, this person to Blame get off somebody. Yeah. 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 The yeah. other thing I've noticed is that um, the people that keep playing the fear card, don't be fearful. Yeah. Uh, I bet you if we did a psych eval on them, they are the most fearful. Mm-hmm. And the way they react is to con- control everybody else, mm-hmm. uh, which it's, it's really weird to think that we're called to control everybody else. Yeah. yeah. So that's my, that's my response to this. That I, I think uh, you were saying this, Chris, that I, I never, you know, indicted pastors about how they were mm-hmm. handling this thing. But it is strange to get an arrow in the back. Yeah. And you think it's because you are not doing what I am doing and and how I view this as a certain kind of conspiracy. Yeah. yeah and, and to me, I've always gone, I mean, with those two arguments of, do you understand what this is about and who's behind it? And it's a deep state aid or it's manipulated or it's purely political. Isn't it ironic this happened during an election year? And, and to me, I go, guys, guys, stop. Who cares where it came from? What is a Christian response? Mm-hmm. And it's, I, it's not the origin. So you can prove to me an origin, and I go, does that still change our response? Yeah. Exactly. We still have a response. How are we salt? How are we light? How are we preservative? How do we shine mm-hmm. in the midst of this? And Christians, we run from darkness, and yet we've got to grasp in suffering, in darkness, is where your light is going to be seen the brightest. We don't want that. Yeah. You know, we, we want a life without suffering. For a Christian to say this is our persecution, you need to travel to the countries that we travel to and apologize to really persecuted Christians. Yeah. Wearing a mask, you know, for a worship service. If that's our idea of persecution, we need to get out and see what persecution is. Yeah. But it's because it infringes on our right and our liberty, and you don't understand the truth behind it. And I go, I don't know what the truth is, but here's a Christian's response regardless. And the frustration I had, like both of you have gotten this, you're responding out of fear, not faith. And I go, no, no, no. Taking a stand and putting up with you Christians, that's what's fearful. <laughs> exactly. Opening the doors and just saying, hey, we open the doors next week, everyone come in. There's no fear in that. Yeah. Oh There's no gosh. fear in government, no yeah. fear in being do it. Yeah. The fearful thing is saying, I'm going to take a stand on missional. For us, we're united in our elder board. We're united in our strategic leadership team and our church leadership team. So it's not Chris Brown with some like, he's reading the wrong tabloid. It's guys, 
there is united missional leadership that says this is what we're about for such yeah. a time as this. Yeah. It's okay to not know for sure. It's okay mm-hmm. to say like, we think this is the best decision. And it's okay to not be certain about not only like the origin of the pandemic, but what science and what, you know. And I think a lot of us as pastors, we're used to people looking to us for our certainty, for answers. Yeah. And for anybody who's watching this, who's a pastor, I would say, you don't, it's okay to, to not be certain. You need to be certain about God, oh. but you know, it's okay to, to not be certain. And Jason, can I add, it's okay not to be certain that I'm even doing the right thing right now. Yeah. I'm not sure if we took the right stance. They have all those choose your own ending books now yep. where they didn't have when I was a kid. Yep. Once you read the book, your mom would read it every night. But I'm like, I know what happens to the cracked <laughs> yeah. egg at the end. Yeah. Now you can choose your own ending. <laughs> so There's weird. so much <laughs> yeah. of me. I want to go back to March and yeah. go, let's play this differently. There's three different ways I would love to play this. And then two years from now, I look back and go, that was the better call. It's okay, leader, to say, I'm not sure if this is the right call. Right. But let me tell you the convictions and the calling we are basing these decisions on. Mm-hmm. And if I'm wrong, at least we stood on our convictions and calling. I'm not making this decision based on another leader's or another church's calling or conviction. Yeah. But I've been so clear, I don't know if this is the right move. I'll tell you two years from now. <laughs> but for now, let me tell you why we're doing it. And it's okay to be uncertain about even the road you're on. You can still, like a, a, a biblical term, a theological term, you can still prophesy without predicting the future. You can still speak on yeah, behalf yeah. of God, you know, as you, yeah. that, that, as that fits into your Isn't theology. that what the prophets did? The prophets yeah. weren't, you know, they weren't predicting the future. They weren't foretelling. They were foretelling the word of God. Yeah. But, but like you said, everyone loves prophesying nowadays. We just don't want the consequences yeah. of the prophet. Yeah. But here's the question. Uh, do we uh, really believe that when we, because we're a church, and when because we're Christians, when we pass through the threshold of a church door, that we can gather uh, without masks and without distance because we're Christians, we're under the cover of God, and, and this is speak to that theology. Yeah, oh, I, what, 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 well, it's magic. It's magic. It, it's it, not theology. It's dark magic. You know, it, it's it's believing that somehow. And, and as soon as this came about, I went back and started doing the history of how the church responded in all the plagues, including the Puritans and into the Middle Ages and so forth and so on. And so there was never, uh, even in the early church in northern Africa, Carthage, there was never a time where Christians um, got a pass yeah. on the plagues. Um, it's the, not in history. It's not in the Bible. I mean, except for God, you know, specifically doing the, the, the rain thing, right? falls on the just, just and the, the unjust. Yeah. So God calls us to be wise. And as I alluded to earlier, we are on the same boat as our neighbors, yep. you know, sailing to, to Malta. Yeah. And uh, so what do we do? Well, as humans, not as angels or anything else, as humans, we respond in wisdom and faith. And, um, and for me and, and for our church, it seemed, even though, yes, I think we got bad information early on from the WHO, we got bad information early on from the CDC, I think this has not been managed well. I wouldn't give our governor an A-plus yeah. on this one. Uh, maybe B-minus, C-plus, uh, because the science has changed what we know and what we don't know. Yeah. And, and, and there's been too many blanketed mandates sure. um, 
that, that have required indoor dining, outdoor dining to be the same when they're not scientifically. Yeah. But that said, um, it seemed fine for us to be outdoors while the restaurants are outdoor dining. We're outdoor worshiping. Mm-hmm. And, and it's been phenomenal. Yeah. God has showed up. I mean, yeah. yeah, like one person came and checked us out. I said, look, you look like a bunch of refugees. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, thank you. I've, <laughs> I've preached to refugees who have accepted Christ. And, yeah. and in the midst of that camp, there was a neediness yeah. that arose. And, and I've seen what I've prayed for is, is a neediness to arise within mm-hmm. the church, not a demanding. We want our own return to a homeostasis. Yeah. But uh, wow, I'm, I am off balance. Who is Jesus? What is he doing in my life? Those are the perfect times for revival. Yeah. God is doing beautiful things yeah. through a really horrific, yeah. horrific yeah. season. And, and, and to carry your question on the theology of shouldn't God protect us from the virus we're together, if, if you carry that line of logic out, which you wouldn't have to, if that is your theology, don't you have to go back and apologize to every family in your church that is a follower of Christ who lost a loved one to cancer? Yeah. Because obviously God didn't care about them. He's supposed to protect us from disease, but not yeah. theirs. Yeah. Or tumors, leukemia, you don't have to think congestive that heart failure. To get to the point and go. Do you really yeah. go, oh, you know what's true about that? Because there's never been a Christian in the history of the world that died of illness. Mm. <laughs> now that's a true statement. Yeah. God would protect us from the virus. But the, it's asinine. I, when you I think it's think kind of like you said, you're grasping for some sense of you yeah. know, nor- normalcy, but if, you don't have to think too deeply to realize Which is, is, God can heal. We all believe God can heal people. Definitely. And God, I bet you God has for some sovereign reasons, protected some people who should have got COVID who ha- haven't got COVID or cancer or whatever else. But our, our faith over fear comes from our faith that, that God is sovereign, that he is good. And in the end, all Christians will end up in eternity, cancer free, COVID free. And yet we call no them, masks in heaven. <laughs> when God does intervene and act, we call it miracles. We don't yes. call them dailies. We don't call them expectations. We don't yeah. call them. I mean, they're miracles. Supernatural. Supernatural. Yeah. It's not the natural. Expect the natural. Now, how do I respond in the midst of my own personal suffering or sacrifice or freedoms being taken away? That is a Christian response, not why do I have this in my life? We all claim to be Christ followers. We just demand a better life than he lived. Okay, I want to get advice from you. Hypothetically, I'm a pastor and I value... Hypothetically, you're a pastor? This whole thing is hypothetical. <laughs> yeah. I have a friend okay. yeah. who's a pastor and <laughs> right here in North County. Yeah. Who uh, I value, you know, in the description of the characteristics of an overseer in scripture, the word temperance shows up. Mm-hmm. And temperance is not going to an extreme. Um, something that my my uh, one of the pastors I really respect, who's in my family, always says is any doctrine taken to its extreme becomes heresy. Yeah. I've never felt. I mean, my friend has never felt so riddled with bullets for leading and attempting to lead with temperance. Yeah. Because like news media, politics, every other part of what's happening in our world, there's this constant shove do you guys feel this shove like pick an edge pick a side and if you're if you're being temperate you know you're being wishy-washy you're being too soft you're not taking a stand you're not standing up for the church you're sacrificing our constitutional rights you're sacrificing our religious freedoms mm-hmm. people have died people have been beheaded for this and you won't even stand against opening the or doors. how could you let people gather mm-hmm. outside even with masks you're going to kill people yeah it's loose, loose. It, there's, but, there's but, both but, ends but what if temperance is actually 
radical. See, why is it boisterous, pig-headed is called radical when quiet, gentle, temperate, uh, why isn't that radical? There's a great book out. It feels radical right now. Yeah, Yeah. there's a great book out. It's written by somebody called somebody. But but at any rate, it's about this very issue, temperance. It uses a different word. Mm. But it's the idea of what was the early church like for 350 years of solid persecution from Rome? And the answer is they were this temperate church that was sizing up plagues. It goes into the plagues. It goes into uh, the persecution. It goes into the churches having trying to figure out what is orthodoxy and um, and it's staying the course and figure yeah. it out like Jesus, yeah. like washing the disciples' feet, like healing. You know, it's being Jesus in the midst of it. And Jesus had a chance to align himself with a tax collector. Yep. Yep. He had a chance to align himself with a zealot insurrectionist. Yep. And he chose not to because... Mm-hmm. Not because he's weak, yeah. but because he's radical. Yeah. I've been praying for temperance. It's never something I really prayed for. Um, my friend who pastors here in North County, I told you guys last you time. You have more met. than one friend. <laughs> it's not me, by the I, way, people. He's I'm not just talking just going to be me. authentic right here. It was me. I lost it. You know the pressure valve thing you're talking yeah. about? Like, I unloaded <laughs> on one guy. Like, oh, poor I guy. Think most of the people at church and, and my family are like, Jason's been temperate. Like, he's been... But I unloaded on one guy uh, who was just like kind of a visitor to our church who was asking me why I was afraid of the governor and why I was leading our church into fear and not opening up our building and blah, blah, blah. And after that, I came away praying even more like, God, give me temperance. Give us wisdom so that when this season is over, however long it is, when people look back, the people that I have influence with, the people that I have the privilege of serving and leading, that they would look at us and our church and especially to the people who don't go to church, that they would see us and, and, and the story that we would tell will be one yeah. of, of love well, and missionalness. And I think you take both of those. I mean, your illustration, Mark, what you just talked, and you have to realize temperance has a source and it's not you. Yep. If you're relying on you to find this source of strength and to keep strength under control and convictions and decision-making against popular opinion within your church, you're not going to find it. It's that very early in the morning, long before dawn, Jesus got up and went to a quiet place and there he prayed and the disciples come saying, man, the entire crowd is back. And he's like, let's go somewhere else. I know who I am, what I'm supposed to do and how to do it. How can you do that in the midst of a crowd and their needs and popular opinion? Because in that time, in that walk with God, he knew exactly who I am, what I'm called to do, and how to do it. Now for the pastor today is how do I walk that out when the crowd follows me? And how do I walk that out when the crowd is my crowd and they're still banging on my door? And that's where I've talked to both of you, I think, about back in July where I just had to take a time out, and we did. In the midst of airlines just opened up, essential travel only, I talked to my wife and I said, i got to get out of Dodge. I mean, for a West Texas dude, I've never felt this 
animosity towards man i just got to get out of here you went before you blew up at the guy because i, I was just, yeah. i just took it on this one guy <laughs> no i'm sitting in my own house buy, just buy a ticket next time. i mean i'm just ready to lock it on everything and and i went down to a beach in mexico and we sat there and i'm like how have i it's not that i was mad at the world i wasn't mad at our politics i wasn't mad at our culture remember july is right after the whole night yeah, 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 it's yeah, political yeah. right after riots yeah. everything for the first time in my life i lost a love for the church because of the way that crowd was responding and i'm like i can never be in a place where i lost yeah. a love for the church especially mine yeah no offense but you guys know it's the yeah, most yeah, amazing yeah. church in north county yeah. north coast period yeah. and and yet i lost that and on that beach i curled up once again to a chapter i've gone to so many times in psalm 73 where asaph the chief worship leader of israel says i know god is good to israel but let me tell you how i almost lost my position and for the next 12 verses, he said, I focused, I, I can't quote the passage, but I can quote the pronouns. For the next 12 verses, he says, because I focused on them, they, there, they, there, they, them, them, there, them, them, they, they, there. 14 times mm. in 12 verses, he said, I was focused on them. Mm. So he saw, this is why I'm filled with so much, you know, depression. Mm. And then the next five verses, he goes, and then I thought, what am I doing? How come mm. I'm not? How come I, 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 me, 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 me? <laughs> yeah. And I think it's seven pronouns. And then he got incredibly disappointed. I'm depressed. I'm disappointed. I'm yeah. in despair. And then that famous passage goes, it wasn't, I t- it wasn't until I entered your sanctuary, Lord, and saw who you were. Yeah. When I looked up, I thought, what a brute beast I am before Into you. the sanctuary. Mm. So you're saying, open up. Open the doors, get the people inside, then you're going without masks. And I sat there and thought, you have taught this so many times, and you have allowed to be consumed by the media, the news, the people, the emails, the phone calls, them, them, they, there. And then you've got into, what about me? So my 16 years here don't count for anything? This is the first email you've ever written your pastor, and it's written like this? Who do you think you, do you know what I've been, I I mean, I, I, me, me. Did you get those? Oh, Oh. I I got the first time I've heard emails (laughs) from you, and I'm like, wow, I didn't know that that, this is your spiritual response to well the thing is how many emails do you get every week that say ah chris jason amazing message really appreciate the work you put into it appreciate the fact that you prayed about this and i really felt that this really impacted like how many a week do you get two maybe Zero? Zero to two. Okay, out. it was zero. I was just afraid yeah. you guys would give a number, so I, I wanted like, to give a number. I get like 30 or 40. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Daily. I yeah. have someone that you takes don't? care of those. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's because you offer them a higher place in heaven. If you, if you, so, but... If they it, just keep them from you so you don't get a big Well, head. that's because they've seen you react to the visitor, and they don't want to say, well, how would you react to one of us? <laughs> he crushed him. <laughs> so, anyway, th- so those negatives, yeah. you know, just come out so loud. Yeah. Because there isn't anything counteracting yeah and 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 you do feel like whoa 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 we've known each other for 14 years yeah Yeah. and uh, you know what would have been appropriate is hey i don't understand yeah hey could you help me to understand of what were you thinking of and 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 we want dialogue yeah not we're we're not wanting people to obey or anything like that. We just dialogue yeah. and, and respect and, I, and dignity. As I think a, a lot of the people who are like in the middle ground 
aren't necessarily emailing and saying, hey, thanks for no. being. To my point, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, and, and I kept reminding, we have a staff chapel once a month, and all of our meetings I kept reminding them, look at the silent majority. Yes. All you're hearing about is the flamethrowers okay, right pastors, now. I don't know if I'm supposed to look at the camera. Pastors, if you're oh. here, there is a silent majority who is with you, who is grateful for you, who is... And, and, and here's would, the problem. Pastors are all like, well, I, you know, they, they can't be counted. I go, they can be counted. Yeah. You start looking at your giving and go, man, I, I thought we were losing hundreds of families, but they must not have been tithers. Know, look at right? those that are tithing. <laughs> there it if is. people are still tithing, I'm like, boy, they're voting in a more tremendous way than yeah. any email. Why am I not counting tithes? Why am I not counting offerings? Well, I'm like, there is a silent majority that goes, hey, we don't like this either. We wish we'd do something different, but we are with you heart and soul because we're missional. Yep. And I forgot to count them. I was only counting the flamethrowers. And then when you really count that, I go, man, I let 30 to 40 people take my passion away from a church that is our size. Yeah. What in the world yeah. am I doing? And I tell you, I came back from that with Psalm 73 and go, Dude, here's it's my closeness to you that I get to preach your word and you are my protection. That's how Psalm 73 ends. Yeah. And I'm like, God, it's my closeness to you. I get to preach your word and you're my protection. Why am I listening to them, them, they, 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 they? Why am I focusing yeah. on me? Yeah. And since July, I've been pretty good, what but I've had to turn off. Again? 73. 73. Okay. Take that to the bank. So for anybody who, if they're still watching this at this point, a couple of spicy your questions. Is there a time that civil disobedience will become appropriate. Absolutely. Sure. And Absolutely. when, like, what would the criteria be? Real well, quick. yes. You know, in big theological terms, you're asking, when does Romans 13 become Revelation 13? <sighs> Rev- Revelation 13. Everyone's pausing this to look them both up right now, yeah. but he's about to tell you. I know that's, by heart, but I'll the, let him do it. That's the Antichrist, and Romans 13 is obey the government. And, yep. and there is a tipping point. Bonhoeffer is the case study that wrestled with that and yep. became a part of the plot to assassinate Hitler. Yep. So there, there is a point. And I think it's a great dialogue. I wish we could dialogue more, both as churches and uh, in the national arena as well, where we put it out in the middle of, and we mm-hmm. listen to each other with two ears and only one mouth and, and, and we all grow and learn together. Whereas w- what's happening right now is there's only one big mouth, nobody's listening, and, uh, and we're not hearing from each other. So mm-hmm. in a time like this, I think all of this time, we're learning, we're growing, what are you doing? We're, we're mm-hmm. calling each other, we're yeah. checking in. Mm-hmm. How are you handling this? Um, and we wanna hear from our parishioners. Yeah. But I think instead what happens is our people talk to other people, and Christians, unfortunately, often evangelize Christians instead of mm-hmm. unbelievers. Yeah. And we evangelize them not with the gospel, but with our opinions. <laughs> and they say, yeah, you're right. Yeah. He said that. I'm going to yeah. go back and tell my pastor that yeah. instead, in, instead of this wonderful arena of dialoguing where we're assessing out. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot know, of the conversations have been, um, well, my pastor is afraid of what's going to happen if they open up. They, they're afraid, afraid of Newsom. And let me just tell you, if anybody, like, if anyone's not a pastor, you're a Christian, you're like, church, I do not know a single pastor who has any fear of the government because <laughs> the government will not come after your church. No. There's not any, like, have, real legal consequences that are going to happen. Have you ever met a pastor that says, I'm really afraid of Newsom? <laughs> yeah, no, no. 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 That was, by the way, the, the leading 
line of the guy that I like lost it on. Sure. Yeah. He was he was mad at me and called me a chicken for being afraid. That's the reason why I'm like, and, has nothing and to do I with got it. blasted because we have well-known pastors in California, authors who came out early and said, let me tell you why this is a constitutional right, a religious freedoms issue. And here's the theology that goes with it. And if your pastor doesn't get this, they're not a shepherd. Yeah. So then our people don't come with what I, I love the heart that says, hey, I got this. You don't strike me as a guy that's the Antichrist. I've listened to you for almost 20 years teach. So help me understand your point of view. I'm like, oh, I'd love to yeah. give you that dialogue. Instead, yeah. how dare you not? Yeah. This is what a man of God looks like. And I'm like, good to finally meet you. I'm glad you gave me an email. I have negative thoughts about you. Is there a time for civil disobedience? Of course there is. What is it? For, you're for you're one simply. of the most cowboy North County guys I know. That's because I'm a West Texas. Yeah, so, so what, what is it? I'm like, a transplant. And I know the, the caveat would be like, this is a decision you make thing, with your, elder, your leadership team. But like for you, when because do you go, that's it. We're opening it up. You know? For me, my West Texasism... Um, that has been challenged in multiple emails. I never thought I would see a pastor who claims to be from West Texas become so yellow or hide from Newsom. And I'm yellow. like, this is just, <laughs> oh my yeah, gosh. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm walking you're around ten, the living room before I am. And I'm like, here we go, here we go, here we go. Yes, there's a time. What? When, when the policies it? of our government or culture infringe upon the church more than our cultural counterparts, that's a religious freedom issue. At this time, there cannot be eighth grade girls basketball. Yeah. At this time, there cannot be a movie theater that opens in there. Right. At this time, there is nothing in our culture, in our public schools, that allows for indoor crowds gathering. So I look at this and go, in no way is the government infringing on the church more than our cultural counterparts. I go, yeah. everybody's under this junk right now. And that's why me claiming First Amendment, kicking the doors open, is is just giving a finger to our entire culture and go, I'm yeah. sorry your kids aren't in school. I'm sorry you don't have eighth grade basketball. I'm sorry you missed your graduation. Yeah. I get to do this for our own sake because I have a banner of the Bible. Yeah. And is that how we use the banner of the gospel? And do you, do you me, feel like that's like, uh, let's say it stays fair, okay? Can't go to movies, <laughs> can't do this, and can't do church. There's a real pressure that I feel, which is I, I have this conviction, yes, that the church is essential, but also that gathering together in person is an essential part of being the church. I think you guys would probably agree with that. But, but, but right. what is the church? But, is but, the church the large auditorium? I mean, we, we, everyone goes to the New Testament and goes, man, this do not forsake meeting together. I go, yep. first of all, read the rest of that and understand what it meant for encouraging and equipping. You're not doing that at church. You're sitting in a large crowd. The First Testament was not written to galvanize people to go down the Colosseum and fill the Colosseum. It was said, look, you're meeting in homes. That's the New Testament church. Yep. Sure, Ephesus had a lecture hall that was given to them. But again, that was the listen to the great orator, Paul. Their churches weren't homes. Don't stop meeting in your homes, encouraging each other and doing this. We've been saying for years, because we're a small group driven community, church happens in homes you know, not on the weekends. Church happens in circles, not in rows. Church happens in dialogue, not in monologue. We're glad you're part of the weekend, but if you only come on the weekends, you're not part of the church, get in a small group. And this year, we've had a chance to show it and just go, for me, this, I don't apply the New Testament to, you got the largest churches in North County. I don't apply that to Coliseums, per se. Yeah, yeah. And your analogy is the church service is the locker room. Right, yeah. If this is the locker room, room out there is the playing field. Yeah. And, you know, nothing has stopped us. I mean, including worship. Uh, you know, 
what, does worship only happen when you're six inches away? Or can it still be worship when you're three or six four feet, feet away? away. Yeah. Can't be done with mask on, can though. I can't see with, faces. Yeah. yeah. All, all of that kind of thing. Um, it, it hasn't stopped us. And as, to your point, I'm thinking of the two passages when you're asking about where is the, the civil liberties uh, line that we step over. Uh, civil disobedience. Um, you know, the apostles did that right away. You have to ask yourself, Sanhedrin, whether it's right to obey God or man. Yep. And, and they put it right there. They were being asked to stop preaching the gospel. No one has asked me to stop preaching the gospel. No infringement whatsoever. In Iraq, ISIS did recant Jesus or tomorrow you die mm-hmm. or you pay taxes for the next three years because you are being persecuted as yep. a Christian. But that, that hasn't happened. Um, th- then the other example is Jesus... Uh, when he's challenged about taxes. I mean, think of Rome. Rome was like one billion times more ungodly yep. than our country. Of a government. Yeah, of a government. Yeah. I mean, just yeah, yeah. hell on wheels. Yeah. And Jesus says, give to Caesar what's Caesar's and give mm-hmm. to God what's God's. And he recognized that there was this, this line. Now, it, it, it's fluctuating. It's a, it's a high tide, low tide. Yep. But to be clear, I think most of people in our country like black and white, really simple answers. Mm-hmm. They don't want to think through things. They don't want yep. complicated answers. That uh, It's a little bit of this, a little bit. Just tell me, yes or no, just tell me, blue or red, just tell me. Yep. And so when someone comes out on a megaphone and says, you know, it's complex. To, to you, no, to, to oh. you, that you're bowing the knee to the Antichrist by not meeting in a building, yeah. by yep. staying distanced and wearing masks. You know, that's an easy, you know, answer. Politicians run on those all the time, but yeah. it's not the way yeah. life is made. Yeah. Let's wrap up with this. Uh, all three of us, let's take a turn. I'll start with you, Chris. Uh-oh. Uh, what you, I always like him going first because he's really good and it no, spawns just, something just in my head. Just think of like some of our, our, our all of our mutual pastor friends here in North yeah. Carney, your Jeff Moore's, your uh, Troy Martin, you know, just guys that we all know here in, in San Diego County. Um, what would you want to encourage them with last minute or two minutes? What would you want to encourage them with? I think my thing would go back to what is the calling for your unique church and where you're positioned and the resources you're giving. Every church is, we're all different Sunday school classes. In the big kingdom of God, that's a Larry Osborne yep. saying. You can't work with a guy for almost 20 years without going. Take I got a lot of one. wisdom. <laughs> I think it came from him. Um, but we're all different Sunday school classes. And if you go to the old church model, you had Sunday school classes that were like the Berean church. They're yep. into long doctoring study. You had Sunday school classes that were into just socializing with newbies. You, had, you have Sunday school classes that were very missional. We're about water wells. We're doing yeah. it. But you're all under one roof. And for me, that's why I love Jeff Morris, church planner here in Oceanside. He planted a church a month and a half before COVID hits. Now, what's that guy supposed to do? And I know he was in my backyard talking about this during the shutdown going, man, I, I, I know you're against opening, but what about for Mike? And I go, whoa, 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 Jeff, listen, I'm not against opening. I have reasons for our size and our logistics we can't open. You should have been open two weeks ago. And I remember him just going like, Texas. Yeah, he thinks. Yeah. And I go, Jeff, do it. Yeah. You don't have a past to protect. Right now, you're creating a future. Just yeah. know during this time, you're going to draw people that are going to be like minded about this. Yep. Um, careful, pastor, when you just want to go, we're indoors. I want people that want to fight against the. When you grow a church based on fighters, 
when this battle is over, they're still going to fight. They'll just find a new battle within yeah. the church. So just know who you're called to reach and what you're called to do. What is your calling and your convictions and stand on it. Yeah. For pastors right now, I would just say there's been a lot of airplay giving because media loves controversy mm-hmm. to the guys that are wide open indoors. That is a very small minority of churches. Yeah. In fact, in San Diego County, I only know of about six. Um, the vast majority of us are doing, look, we're outdoors. We're not inside. We think a virus is real. Yeah. You know, eight months ago, I had ratios on infection. Now I have relationships with those. So you know, I, I used to have, you know, now I got actual people. I don't have percentages and go, man, look at the way this thing has hit some of our North Coast yeah. families. Yeah. And so sometimes you have to protect sheep from sheep. Yep. And just go, if that's your calling, stand on your calling, stand on your conviction. And I promise you, three years from now, we'll all look back and go, I would have played that differently. Yeah, in some ways. I would have. Pastor Mark, yeah, what would, would you say I to would some... come back to the word opportunity. I think uh, we have been handed something that's not going to come around, God willing, for a hundred years. And, and we're going to be asked, so what did you do? What did you learn out of it? Who did you become? Mm-hmm. Who did your people become? And, and I don't want the answer to be, I became more darn right I was right before, and now I became more darn right. And yeah. I showed him. Yeah. You know, it's just, that's just um, yeah. good for you. Yeah. You know, I, I think it, it's a time of character building for me as a pastor. Mm-hmm. I mean, particularly for those of us in ministry, it's just, this is a pressure cooker. Yeah. Who are you becoming? Who is your church becoming? And my prayer is that the church in America would become a different church. Yeah. I pray, yeah. I pray that we're not just attend on Sunday kind of church. I hope this is a good show because if this isn't a good show, Jason, I'm going to Chris's church. Yeah. I mean, that's the way the church has been. Yeah. So who do we want to be when we grow up? Yeah. And uh, we've only got a few months left. Yeah. I hope so. <laughs> I pray so. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, and I hope this kills off the idea once and for all that church is a location in buildings. Church is a worship center. Yeah. yeah. You cannot find that theologically or mm-hmm. biblically. We are the people of God, and yeah. we are here to respond in suffering in amazing ways. Yeah. I challenged you this last weekend, just challenged my church. Every post, every meme, every Instagram, every Facebook, can you look at it and go, man, there's the fruit of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. That was loving. That's good. That was yeah. kind. That's good. Man, that was, and gentle. That was, and I go, that's good. Dude, we are flamethrowers. Right? We're yeah. supposed to be lights, and we turn that into flamethrowers. Flame <laughs> Here's my flame. And I'm like, that's not the light. That's really good. That's not the yeah. light. Filter wow. it through the fruits of the Spirit. Man. That's really good. Well, I'll uh, just wrap up by praying. Yeah. I want to pray. I've gotten much from this personally. I'm going to pray it over the pastors, church leaders, and just Christians maybe in North County that are going to watch this. Lord, um, this is an opportunity. It doesn't mm-hmm. feel like it sometimes. It feels like a endless uh, closure sentence. It feels like uh, change after change after change after change. But um, you do such great work, Lord, when things um, are uncertain for us. And so I pray, God, for my brothers and sisters in Christ who lead your church. And I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ in our community um, who love you, who have found themselves at odds, who have found themselves divided. Um, I pray for some of them that they would have the courage to repent and ask for forgiveness for not um, reflecting you well to their friends, their neighbors, um, to other Christians. 
I pray for those that are weary and exhausted and, and want to quit, that, Lord, you would give them perseverance. You would give them strength. I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would give them strength and energy and wisdom that they need um, to make good decisions for their church, even though they may not be the perfect decision. And then, Lord, we pray for um, the people in our community here in North County who, though they are not far from you because you are with them, they feel far from you. They, they either haven't been to church, can't go to church, they're, they feel isolated, and some who don't even care about you and don't even believe that you are real. God, would you show the people here in San Diego County, specifically our little corner of the world, that you are real, that you love them, yes. that you're not just a God out there somewhere, but that you are the God who created them, who is with them, who walks with them. And they would not just believe in you, but they would know you personally. And we lift up all the pastors uh, of the churches. They're all of our friends. They're brothers that we know and, and sisters that we know and pray that you would, God, um, encourage them, help them to make wise decisions that promote unity in their church, mm-hmm. unity um, in our community and in our world. And I pray, Lord, that no weapon formed, I thank you, actually, that no weapon formed against your church will prosper. The gates of hell will not prevail against your church. Make us what you want us to be for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thanks, guys. Man, appreciate awesome. it. Man.